Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Strang Report. I'm Stephen Strang, and today we're going to talk about a very important topic that we've handled in the past. It's what's going on at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, specifically with Mike Bickle, my longtime friend. And today I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. Michael Brown, who also is a longtime friend of the International House of Prayer and a longtime friend of mine. You know him with his uh, podcast and radio show called Line of Fire. He is the author of many books, several of which I've had the privilege of publishing. And we've done uh, numerous podcasts over the years. And I wanted to talk about this just because it's very important, not only for Mike Bickle and the International House of Prayer, but there are bigger principles involved that have to do with the larger Christian community and have to do with the body of Christ. So uh, let me introduce or say welcome to uh, Dr. Brown. It's always good to see you. Great to be with you always. And and actually, um, almost written 50 books now, but you've published more of my books than anybody else. So, hey, yeah. That's great to know. Thank you for telling me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll put it in the next uh, bio that I, I do for you. Okay. Uh, let me start with a kind of a disclaimer and also an apology because I have dealt with this a couple of times before. I must say that when this came out in late October, that Mike Bickle was charged with these things, I absolutely did not want to believe it. He was my longtime friend. I never saw anything in his life or conversation. And he was a guest in my home. I was a guest in his home. I saw him in many settings. I never saw anything that would indicate that he had these kinds of issues. And um, I haven't really defended him, but I did want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I said, and I have a transcript here of what I said, I wanted to be very precise. I said, if I'm proven wrong, I will be the first to admit it. And um, I, and then another time I said, if, if Mike Bickle has been found to do this, I will be the very first to admit that I'm wrong. Well, the first time we did it, Mike had not issued a statement. And then he issued a statement admitting that he had done something about 25 years ago. That's a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I wanted to believe that uh, he would have an opportunity to be back in ministry and that kind of thing. I need to say that I was wrong. I did not have all the facts. I still don't have all the facts. And we're not here to discuss facts because facts change and sometimes they're obscured and sometimes they're hard to understand. But we need to talk about principles. So let me start by just asking you, what are the bigger principles that that you see coming out of, you know, what's really become a, a very messy scandal up there in Kansas City? Yes, it's it's agonizing. Uh, you know, we started to broadcast smiling as, as friends, but these are things we've all been in agony over. I, I just wrote an article late last night, again, about the agony people are going through, the upheaval, their worlds are turned upside down. Um, I, too, I, I don't. I didn't know Mike as well as you did in terms of, of being in one of those homes as much and that kind of thing. But everything I knew about him would have told me this is not who he is. I, I, I never would have suspected this of him. But the, the charges, mounting charges, very credible, very serious and, and growing. So just shocking, terribly disheartening. 
the thought of what happens to to the the victims, the, the people that that were taken advantage of or sinned against, and then just throughout the body. I mean, S- Steve, it's it's extraordinary. The people that have been praying for years, they're just questioning every why are we doing this, and was this whole movement false? And so it's bringing tremendous upheaval. And then how do we handle it? Uh, you know, as as you know, you had General Fuller on the air. And, and he had accused people in the advocacy group of lying. He, he since apologized to them privately. There was a misunderstanding. He got things wrong. He apologized. That video was pulled down. But, but I think some of that might have been reiterated on your podcast. But there's so much emotion, so much pain, people re, overreacting. So how do we handle this? What is the righteous way to handle this? And these are the things we have to talk through. I've, I've been involved in, and I'm actively working on this, that there will be a, an oversight committee of leaders who can oversee an independent investigation that all of those who have come forth as victims would feel comfortable with participating in. And then once all of that is brought together, on the one hand, it's released for the public, but you have a panel of independent elders looking at this and saying, this is the evaluation. These are right things to be done because it's bigger than just a local church or ministry. And the, the confusion, the inaction has really hurt things all the more. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying the fact it's dragged on so long and we still don't know all that happened. It it makes it all the more painful for everyone. Well, Mike, has had a habit pattern over the years of not answering his critics. And there have been critics, not about this, but about his eschatology, his view of Israel, and so on and so forth. And, you know, there is a a time and place when that is the right strategy. But in a situation like this, I believe that Mike needs to speak up. And the first time I did a podcast about it, he hadn't issued a statement at all. I was personally shocked at what he revealed. And then I sort of assumed, or maybe I wanted to assume that that was the extent of it. Of course, other things have come out since then. You have to ask, or at least I asked the question of why is it coming out now? Why didn't it come out years ago? And I believe that there is a spiritual aspect to this as there are every time there's a church fight, a division in the body of Christ, when there's animosity and hurt and hate, the enemy of our souls stir up things and so forth. And we have to recognize that that this has really blown out of control. You know, Mike is not the first Christian leader to fall and won't be the last. And we, if we look at the Bible, nearly all the great people in the Bible had some pretty nasty things about them. You know, Moses murdered a man, uh, David with Bathsheba, we could go right down the list. Yeah, God still somehow used them. It's not our place to try to understand exactly what God is doing in this situation. Um, and uh, But obviously, God is trying to do something in the life of Mike Bickle and in that ministry, but there are bigger issues. And one of the issues that I wanted to raise that I haven't had a chance to talk to you about yet is the fact that some of the allegations are that Mike um, did something when he was in his early 20s with an underaged woman, which is a very serious charge. So here, this happened 
before he even moved to Kansas City, according you know to the reports that have come out. And the, the question I have is, especially in the society we live in, most leaders, most Christian leaders would have some, would have done something that would be very embarrassing if it came out before. And so what about other leaders that may have something in their past that's been repented of? Can it be held over their heads? And is it worth their ministry being scrubbed? I mean, these are things as Christian leaders that we need to deal with regardless of who the personalities are, or even the Christian leaders that may be grappling with this in their own life. Now, I want to be quick to give a disclaimer. I don't have this kind of secret, thank God, but it's only by God's grace, grace that I don't. But I have done things that I would not want on the front page of the newspaper because it would be embarrassing. And uh, so where, where is repentance? Where is restoration? Yes. And, and how long can these sins, I realize that there are statute of limitations in law and some things have no statute of limitations. We're not discussing the legal, legal aspect. I'm dealing with what about other Christian leaders that may be in a similar situation and wondering uh, what, what to do? Yes. All right. So let's, let's understand that there are certain things that do disqualify from ministry, certain things that could disqualify for life. There are other things that can be dealt with proper repentance, restoration. There are other things that are dealt with in private, right? So every one of us on the one hand has fallen short. Every one of us fell short today. Somehow we didn't perfectly love God or love our neighbor. We understand that. At the same time, an elder, spiritual leader is to be above reproach and to have a good reputation with the world. So people may hate you for the gospel, but you shouldn't have a reputation of being an alcoholic or out of control or getting in, in fights in bars or, or whatever, or stealing money from your job. So let's break this down. There are plenty of things that are rightly dealt with privately in-house, and that's that's the righteous way to deal with it. For example, let's say that that a pastor sits down with his his elders and says, "Guys, I got to come clean. I the last six months I've I've been struggling with porn. I've, I've gone to some foul websites, and so I, I just confessed it to my wife. It's not been a pattern of my life. I want to fix this." And together they say, "All right, let's get deeper accountability. Let's get to the root of this." Let's let's make sure that these things are are clean in your life. You move forward. That's that's not headline news. That doesn't the, the you don't have to go before the whole congregation and, and step out of ministry for the rest of your life. You know you handle that in house. Let's say that somebody, uh, if had, anything, um, Doctor Brown is healthy to deal with things like that. Yes, because exactly. you've you've opened yourself up to demonic attack in ways that you really need help. And this is where the Bible says those who have fallen, others help restore them. That's what you're describing. Yeah, so th there, there are plenty of things that could happen. You know, you could say that someone was, uh, you know, what uh, one of the leaders on your team, you noticed he was getting too friendly with someone of the opposite sex and said, hey, buddy, you got to draw some better lines here. And it's like, oh man, you're right. I was careless here. Okay, that's not... Headline news, that's not scandal waiting to come out. There can even be a situation where, where let's say, a, a, a leader uh, committed adultery 
and they had to step out of ministry. So they were, they were sleeping with someone else. They had to step out of ministry. It's, it's on their resume, but this is 30 years ago and they were restored and now they're doing effective ministry. It's not that they've buried it. It's just, it was dealt with properly and they were not famous then. So it's not broadcast to the whole world, but it was dealt with. It, there was proper discipline. There was restoration. All these things are, are of one level, but there are other lines that are crossed. So these tr- very credible accusations is actually from a second woman now of, of, of Mike having, having sexual relations with minors, with girls 14 or 15 or 16, that's of a whole other level or uh, a series, if, it's, if charges are true, series of <laughs> adulterous relationships over a period of decades. Now it's a whole different level. And Steve, what I honestly believe is this, if we messed up in some way, like I said, we all, you said it, every, all of us have messed up one way or another, every human being, the godliest person on the planet has messed up one way or another, but it's not a scandal. It's not some smoking gun. It's not thing that the public needs to know about. Okay. But why is it that some things do now come to public light, Right. To me, it has to mean that that there was something wrong somewhere. In other words, either the thing crossed a major line, like the charges against Mike with a minor. Okay, that can never be covered up. That was never righteous to cover that up. You can't just deal with that and keep it secret. Not that level. That that's that's a warning for ministry for for the rest of your life. That has to be a publicly known thing. If that was hidden, it has to come to light at some point, or if there's been a continual pattern of sin, because God does not want to reveal our sins to the whole world. God's not into doing that if there's been true repentance and things have been dealt with righteously. So that would be the other thing. Otherwise, every one of us every day is looking over our shoulder. Is someone going to reveal that I, I said something to someone I shouldn't have, or, or there was a wrong thought, you know, or this, this one little thing, this error, and it's shout out to the world. No, we can live free and clean knowing our hearts are right with God and whatever things we've had to ever deal with, we've dealt with. If, if I sinned against my wife, you know, or it's not nice to her, I fixed that with her. I don't have to worry about an audio playing for the whole world where I was short with her or something like that. So in my view, the only reason things would come to light and that God would allow it to come to light is either because the thing crossed lines and those lines are very, very serious and public or because there was ongoing sin that was never repented of. Otherwise, God has no desire to hurt his people around the world and to bring reproach to the name of Jesus. So let's say that someone did something like you described that Mike did, or the the reports are that he did. Does this mean he should have never got into ministry in the first place? That the prayer movement should have never been launched? I mean, you know, where does it stop and where does it end? Yeah, so it, if there was a pastor who was guilty over a period of years of sexually grooming and committing sexual acts with a minor, I don't see how that person could lead a ministry in the future. I, I could see ways with true repentance, restoration, where they could serve in other ways under authority, but I don't see how they could be ministry leaders here. Just think of something like this. Let's just say there's a man who's struggled his whole life. He's attracted to minors. He's never acted on it, but now he, he finally acts on it 
and and he he abuses some 10-year-old kid. He repents, he goes to jail for it. Well, that person, now they're in your church. They could never do stuff with children. It's it's just it's never gonna happen, even if they're truly changed. They cannot be above reproach in that it, it cannot avoid appearance of evil and potentially open doors to temptation. That's just a reality. It doesn't mean that he could never marry or have children of his own, but he couldn't do that in ministry. The fact is that God is only working through flawed vessels on the earth. Every vessel he works through from the apostle Paul to any of us is flawed in some way. And he works through us and does amazing things through us, despite us. So whatever good came out of Mike's ministry, that was the gift of God. Much good has come out of it. And again, we, it breaks our hearts to, to think these things could be true about him. But it's God that did it. If, if the Holy Spirit heals someone through a person, that's the Holy Spirit who healed someone. If he helped grow a prayer movement through an individual, that's the Holy Spirit who did it. So any good that comes through any of us, any book that I write that impacts people, any, any article you put out that impacts people, that's God's grace working through us. And he only has flawed vessels to work with. Look, he worked through Samson, but then Samson's sin ended up destroying his life and hurting the nation. Let's talk about the people who've been hurt. And I'm not talking just about the victims themselves. Of course, that is of the utmost importance. And there's professionals and different ones who can help. But I'm talking about sincere Christian people that joined the prayer movement, that feel terribly let down, even people in other cities that have picked up the vision. How do these people deal with it and how do they move on? Yeah, it's it's tremendously painful. And, and we, we need to first really be in prayer for them and recognize, as you said, there is a spiritual attack. The devil wants to destroy the prayer movement. The devil wants to pull people away from Jesus. We understand that. So the first thing I would say to these individuals is what Paul wrote in Romans 3. What, what if we're unfaithful? Does our unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? And he says, never. Rather, let God be true, but every human being a liar. So that's what we have to realize. Our unfaithfulness only magnifies God's faithfulness. I want to start there. The second thing is, it is God. If, if you're in a prayer movement, it's God who appointed you to pray. Not any man, not any movement. Isaiah 62, God says of the watchman on the wall of Jerusalem, that, that the Lord himself has appointed you and that you are to give him no rest and give yourselves no rest until he establishes Jerusalem, the praise of the earth. You're doing sacred work in prayer and in worship. And 24-7 prayer was here long before any of us ever lived. We've been here centuries before. Singing scripture and worship has been here centuries before. This is just a particular new pattern in wineskin. So it's God who called you to pray. It's the Lord that you're worshiping, not a person. And this needs to deepen your resolve to, to, to all the more be faithful to the Lord. And you know that Jesus hasn't failed you. You can't look him in the eyes and say, Lord, you failed me. He'd say to us, the only reason you're standing is because I'm carrying you. The only reason you've been able to do anything good is, is because of my grace at work in you. And, and then the last thing is, uh, you, you know, I, you and I were interacting and talking about Mike. And 
we really didn't even think he was tempted in these ways. You know what I'm saying? Because he spent so much time with the Lord. Well, we can have an unrealistic view about people. And, and Nancy, whom you met, my wife, Nancy, has always said to me, you know, Jesus never overexalted people. He was never gushing about this incredible man of God or incredible woman of God because he knew our frailty. So I want to honor those who have worked hard in the Lord. And to the extent that I know people well, I, I want to recognize the genuineness of their faith. And many of them provoke me to jealousy with their walks. But at the end of the day, I realize they're just frail human beings. And, and no one is overexalted in my eyes. It's just the Lord that I want to exalt. And everybody else realizes, hey, we're just servants. And, and on our best day, we still need the grace of God. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think the larger Christian community, what we call the body of Christ, can learn from this moving forward? If, if it boils down to one thing, because I know a lot of people are watching this. In fact, you might share this video with people that you know are interested um, in this issue because we're dealing with it in a very different way than a lot of people are. A lot of people are just being hateful and just bashing the International House of Prayer of Kansas City, bashing Mike Bickle. We're trying to be, or at least I am, and I know you are too, trying to be redemptive in some way. So what lessons can be learned from this? Yeah, so let, let me make it personal and then corporate. On, on a personal level, we've got to be so careful, especially as leaders. And I say this with grief. I don't say this throwing stones. I say this with grief, knowing that God's had great mercy on me. Our sin can be so destructive. We, we can bring so many people in, into a crisis of faith. For what? N nothing could possibly be worth uh, the, the the sinful pleasure of, of a moment. And and what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, uh, if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. Maybe we don't have some of the propensities that, that Mike has allegedly had, but every one of us has weaknesses. Every one of us has areas where if we're not careful, we could mess up. It could be with our food. It could be with our thought life. It could be with sexual sin. It could be gambling. It could be attitude. It could be pride. But, but every one of us has to walk humbly. And in that sense, walk with a limp. Uh, I, I, I walk with a limp before God. Thank God he's, he's kept me from some destructive scandal that would you know, destroy the ministry and hurt people's lives, just as you thank God for his mercy. But I don't go, I don't go around with some kind of haughty self-righteousness there really is this reality for all of us. There go I, but by the grace of God. So be careful. If you're struggling right now, if you're on the verge of going, blowing it, better to, to be ashamed now than to have everything come down around you. Better to take a little grief and get low now and make things right than to have everything come down around you. That's one thing. A second thing is that, that we must put our eyes on the Lord more than any other time. Steve, I've, I've worked with leaders for decades and decades that have been faithful, solid marriages, no scandals surrounding their ministries. And these types of things are still shocking because, because they're not the norm. They're not what we expect. We've got to focus our eyes on the Lord more than ever so, so that no human being can cause a crisis in our faith. And then lastly, we must establish better st standards of accountability within the body, especially in our charismatic movement, which most of it is not within denominations. 
and doesn't have formal structures, we've got to do better because anything goes and anything can be swept under the rug. And it's, it's just, it's wrong. It's destructive. We need to establish more accountability within the body and then outside the body have structures where we can handle crises like this, have, have panels of leaders. You know, one of my friends from the denominational background said, if you have a dispute like this, there's already a court of elders established within the denomination and the dispute is brought there. We don't have anything like that. We've tried to do it in makeshift ways. We're doing that now in, in the current situation, but we need greater accountability within the body. And with that, these, these scandalous things can be handled so much better. And then uh, what, what has been horrific has been where there have been scandals in other churches, other leaders, and then the leadership turns it on the victim and says, you better be quiet because you're going to hurt the ministry. God forbid that we add uh, devastation to the sin and sin against those people. That's one of the worst, that's one of the most despicable things a Christian leader can ever do. So we need to give attention to those who have been hurt, whether it's sexually abused or whether it's manipulated by abusive leaders, and do our best to serve the body so that the, the, the body of Christ can find health. Boy, I agree with you, and that's so wise, and I appreciate you sharing your heart. I want to thank you for taking time to be on this podcast. I want to thank people for watching. If you haven't subscribed uh, to my podcast, please do so. Hit the little bell so you're notified when we're live on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 p.m. Thank you for watching. God bless you.